0: I love that. I love that. You know, it's funny. At at the 830 service, we had all the the school kids here. And uh, I asked Nate to do the children's message. And I didn't, like, connect the dots in my head. And so I asked him, like, hey, hey, Nate, just do the children's message. And I asked the kids to come forward. And there was, like, like 30 or 40 kids, like, rushing to the front. And I was like, oh. (laughs) But uh, he did a fantastic job with it. So it was great. All right. So far, we have spent the last two weeks, and this is the third week, where we're focusing on the centrality of the gospel within the Christian faith. And we started with a reminder that we as Christians continually need to hear this message of grace and forgiveness because we continue to struggle with our own sins. And then last week, Pastor Travis focused on the harvest field outside of these walls as the DFW area is rapidly growing and there's a desperate need for church planting in North Texas. Now today we conclude our series by remembering that Jesus has a heart for lost people and he's invited us into his mission of seeking them and saving them through the power of the gospel. Now as we think about christ's heart for the lost i want you to i want you to think about something valuable that you have misplaced maybe it was your phone or your car keys maybe it was something even more important than those I want to think about that now i want you to turn to your neighbor and share what it was you had lost and the feeling you had when you realized it was lost go ahead and share with your neighbor now All right, let's let's bring it back. These are great after church conversations too. Just so you know, uh, so after church, stick around, get to know each other, share a few more, share it with a few more people. It's always fun. For me, and I think for Leah too, uh, the thing that we misplaced was when we lost Leah's wedding ring. Yeah, the the audible gasp. <laughs> yeah, we we searched for weeks and we came up with nothing i mean it was it was actually a heart-wrenching experience and it wasn't just because of the cost i mean it was partially because of the cost but it was also because of the significance it was because of the significance and and to be honest i cried over that like i lost sleep because of that and i remember even as we were packing and getting ready to move part of me was still holding out hope that we would find it but we never did but that, that, that feeling, that feeling of desperation, of, of, of anxiousness, that's how God feels about his wayward people. That thing that you lost, you're like, ah, I need to find it right now. That's God and his love for the lost. And that's the feeling that he describes to us in our gospel lesson for today. Because in Luke 15, Jesus tells three stories, right? The the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. But they all have the very same message that God loves the lost. That God desires the salvation of the lost. And as Christians, as we read these texts, and we we read like the the parable of the lost sheep, and we think, yep, uh, but I'm one of the 99 who stayed. But it's crucial for us to remember that we were once the lost one. We were the lost one who has now been found. We were dead in transgression, according to to Rome, uh, according to Ephesians chapter 2. And we've been made alive by Jesus Christ and by the power of the gospel. Because of his love and because of his compassion, he pursued us into the wilderness and wrestled our rebellious hearts to the ground and brought us back into his pasture on his shoulders We have been saved by His grace and only by His grace. And now, as children of God, as His restored and as His beloved flock, He invites us to join Him in the mission of seeking and saving other lost ones. The gospel that changed our lives, the gospel that changed our condition before God, that we're no longer under His wrath but the recipients of His mercy, that gospel Is also seeking to change our disposition toward others. So it shouts out that our sins are forgiven, and it insists that we forgive the sins of those who have trespassed against us. It comes down to this that the gospel is for Christians to hear, but it is also for Christians to share. It's our calling to continue in the ministry of Jesus as his hands and as his feet, serving the needy and breaking bread with the outcasts. We've been commissioned to shine the light of Christ to a world languishing in darkness, to be his mouthpiece to a people in desperate need of truth. God has a heart for the lost and he invites us to be a people after his own heart. And yet we find two sins, really two, two sinful mentalities that hold us back from joining Jesus on his mission. Either we fail to share his heart or we fail to trust his power. And these take the form of of mentalities. First one is the consumer mentality, failing to share in the heart of God. Think back to your conversation about, about that valuable thing that you lost. Now, if it's something that we saw as important, whether it was a wedding ring or, I don't know, Deborah shared about a stuffed animal. uh, But if you see it as important, you are going to search high and low and left and right and make every effort to seek it out and to find it because it's valuable to you. But now change that up and say, say you lost the mint that you got after lunch, right? And you misplace that. Are you gonna search high and low for that? Probably not. Because who really cares? It's just a mint. So you just shrug your shoulders and say, mm, oh well, that's another one to the, to the seat cushion, or whatever. But the sad truth is that we can look at lost people in our world and we can treat them more like the mint instead of like the precious creation of God is we easily fall into that consumer mentality. We enjoy the gifts, we enjoy the grace of God, we we relish our Christian communities, but all too often we have little concern for the eternities of others. Instead, we focus on ourselves and our desires and our wants, what serves us. It's similar to our first reading today. In the the context of that reading from 2 Kings, all the land of Israel was in a severe famine. And if you want to know exactly how severe that famine was, look it up in the context. It gets pretty dark, uh, a little bit gross there. But by God's grace, by God's grace, these four lepers discover a treasure trove of food and provisions. It's more than, than enough for them. It's enough for the whole people of Israel. The famine has ended because of this treasure that God has shown to these four lepers. And what's their first thing to do? They, they eat and they drink their fill. And then they take all of the silver, all of the gold, all the everything else. And they hide it. And they go into another, into another tent. And they do the same thing to that. And another and another. And they're hiding all of this treasure. All of this food for themselves for later. But I love what they said when they come to their senses. And they realized the truth, and they said this. They said, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. See, God had saved his people from the famine, and it was news that was too good to keep to themselves. The same is true today. God has saved his people from their sins. He's provided all that we need for eternal life. And it is too good of a message to keep to ourselves. The gospel is not just ours to enjoy, but it's for us to share. And yet, we're sometimes like those lepers at the beginning. Who sinfully begin to bury the treasure. To only care and provide for themselves. And they were were missing the heart of God. The concern for their neighbor. It's the opposite of Christ's mindset. When he says that he made himself nothing and took on the very nature of his servant, he took all of that so as to save us from our sin. And so as we receive this message, this gospel, it's not for us to bury and hide, but it's for us to proclaim and to share. Now, while some of us might struggle with that, that, that consumer mentality, that, that having a heart for the lost, others of us, may, maybe we struggle with a fearful mentality. So we might have the heart for the lost, and we might long to share that good news with them, but we just fail to trust in God's power that he can do it through us. Now, whereas the consumer mentality says, and it's focused on our desires, the fearful mentality is focused on our abilities or our lack thereof. Because in this state, we take the call and the commissioning of Jesus very seriously, but we we make it about us. We assume that it's up to us to save the world. And the real danger here is that when we think that we have to have all the right answers and all the right training and just the most persuasive arguments. We quickly get overwhelmed. We get overwhelmed and we look at our insufficiencies and we guess, well, well like, I'm not good enough. God can't use me. I don't know enough. I'm not influential enough. I'm not eloquent enough. Whatever it might be. And we say, it's better for me just to be silent. Even though God tells us in his word that he chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and the weak things of the world to shame the strong. In contrast to that, we throw up our hands and we say, yeah, but what about me? I'm not good enough for this. We claim that God can't use us. And the result is we don't even try. We don't even try to bring up God in our conversations. We don't even try to point people to Jesus or the gospel to his word we can be so scared of being confronted or, or being challenged on our faith that our default is just to stay silent but compare that to what God says in his word when he says that we are to be a priesthood of all believers we're all to be acting as his ambassadors But instead we relegate this this task of evangelism on the church planters and on the missionaries. That's, That's their responsibility. I just get to be here. What we end up doing as Christians is we start dreaming too small. We start limiting God and saying that he can't work through simple means. He can't work through simple people like us. Of course, the real problem with both of these mentalities, consumer and fearful, is that they both revolve around us, right? Our desires or our abilities. The thing is this, we're not central to the Christian faith. It's not about us. It's about him. We're not central to the Christian faith. Jesus is. So it's not about what we want. It's not about what we can do. It's about God's desire to save the lost. And it's his ability to to forgive sins. It's about the gospel. And God invites us to to join him on mission. Because he loves us. Because he wants us to know him more. You know, I shared this in the midweek message that uh, you received from your elder. But I want to share it here too. When I was a kid. now I was little. Uh, my dad liked to, invite to he invited me to, to help him with different projects around the house. You ever, have your parents ever done that? Yeah. They do that all the time. Here's the thing. I was little. I was uncoordinated. I was brandishing a plastic hammer. Okay? Like, my help was not required for these things at all. But that's not why he invited me to participate. Not because I needed not because he needed me, but because he loved me. So that we could spend time together. So I could learn more about who he was and his passion. So he could teach me. And that's the same thing. Of what God re- invites us to reach out to the lost. Not because our help is needed. But so that we can spend time with our heavenly father. Learn more of who he is. Learn more about his heart so he can teach us and train us up in all righteousness. He invites us because he loves us. He invites us, he includes us because the grace and the mercy that we proclaim for others is the very same grace and mercy that we receive through Christ's death and resurrection. See, through him, our sins and our stubbornness and our selfishness, all of that is forgiven and covered over by the righteousness of Christ. And he would have us repeat that over and over again, not just to ourselves, but to others, because as we all know, you learn best by teaching. The gospel is still for us. And we still need to hear it. We still need to speak it. And now we're called to share it with others. Share it with the world. This is news that is too good to keep to ourselves. Now, to be clear, the task of creating faith, of of winning souls, that's not something we do. That's something that God does through us. It's the role of the Holy Spirit to speak through his people and to work through the word of God to create faith and to win people. We're simply his spokesmen. We're simply his ambassadors, showing his love and sharing his grace. But that's why evangelism is not sidelined as one program among many, nor is it relegated to the work of Travis and to our church plants. Because the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to keep everything I've commanded you, that has not been withdrawn. And so we seek to place evangelism which that term simply means sharing the good news, we seek to put that at the very core of what we do here at Crown of Life. Now, over our series, we've, we've looked at how we share this good news within our own walls. And we talked about the school and VBS and, and our Stephen ministers and things like that. And then last week, we talked about how we contribute and help towards church planting. And today, and on top of all of that, on top of the money that's sent towards towards church planting and an additional 11% of our offerings go towards gospel initiatives both local and global. So we support Build International. That's the Bibles for China. We're placing God's very word into the hands of Chinese people who have to meet in secret to worship Jesus. And we partner with Mission India and right now we're we're helping fund eight missionaries who are in church planters in India who are undergoing some of the worst persecution we've seen in modern times. And it's because of our love for education that we're partnering with St. Peter's Lutheran School in South Africa, where we're training their teachers and providing uh, uh, catechisms for their students. And this gospel takes action in Acuna, where we build a house in a week, and we pray for the family that gets to enjoy that house. Or more locally, right here in our neighborhood, in our own community, It's serving our seniors, which was formerly Mid-Cities Care Corps. Helping senior citizens stay in their homes. And we treat them like human beings. Talk with them. Drive them to doctor's offices. Or next week, we'll collect spaghetti and sugar for grace and Union Gospel Mission. We have Academy 4 where we're, we're interacting with these fourth graders at, down at Donna Park Elementary. I mean, that's besides, mission, uh, besides Mercy House and Gatehouse and, and North Texas Snap, and that list just keeps on going and going and going. But all of these things help us to proclaim the gospel in our local community and in the world around us. Now, I list all these things because I want to invite you to come alongside us. Come alongside us in the mission of pro- proclaiming the gospel here. In in some ways, that happens through our tithes and through our offerings. We know that the offering is an act of worship where we trust God to provide for our needs as well as the needs for our church. But beyond that, you can also help us share the gospel through time, through your service. Or if you want to uh, be a part of Academy 4 or help drive someone to a doctor's appointment. If you need help finding a way to serve and come contact us at the church office, we'd love to get you plugged in. But beyond all of that, beyond programs, beyond organized ministries and all of that, there are ways to proclaim this good news in our everyday lives. Remember earlier, we talked about how God invites us into the mission, not because he needs us, but because he loves us. So I want you to ask yourself, in your daily life, what is the ministry that God is inviting you to participate in? How is he inviting you to come and help? plastic hammer and all. Maybe it's, it's growing the disciples that live in your own home and intentionally discipling them and teaching the faith. Maybe it's reaching out to your neighbors and being the face of Jesus for them. Maybe it's volunteering at our school. Or maybe it's joining the Acuna Mission trip this fall. But whatever it is, God is inviting you To receive the good news that he loves you and forgives you. And to share that good news with others as well. Because the gospel is for you. And the gospel is for all. So let's pray. Father God, you show us again and again that you have a heart for the lost. That you desire for all people to be saved. That you long to bring your wayward sheep back to you. Lord, we thank you that through your Holy Spirit... You sought us out. And you've saved us. But Lord, we confess. We confess that we don't always have the same passion to reach out to others. We're not always a people after your own heart. We admit that our focus becomes on what we want instead of what is best for your kingdom. We confess that our fears get the best of us. So we don't share the good news. We may not be lost, Lord, but... We do still wander. Lord, forgive us for the sake of Christ. Hear us as we confess these sins and all the sins that weigh on us this morning. And pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God has a heart for sinners like us. So much so that he sent his son Jesus to be the payment for our sin. And though we struggle with sinful hearts and with selfish motives, he daily creates in us new hearts that seek after him, because he has forgiven us through his blood. And now he invites us, as forgiven and beloved children, he invites us to the mission. He forgives us our sins because of his grace. So as we sing his praise, as we collect our offering, we do so in response to knowing that our sins are all forgiven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. (laughs) you <laughs>